Testing. Ah, now we're on. Cool. One, one uh, announcement, by the way. I want you to make sure and feel free to slip out today whenever you need to. Um, our summer hours have taken us to 12.15 most summers, most Sundays, rather. So feel free. No one will think a bit less of you if you have to slip out on that. But wanted Scott to make sure and have enough time to wax eloquently. So, <clears throat> But big announcement for you. Really, really cool stuff happening. Um, Ethan and Amy have been working like dogs for the last year, just really, really dedicated, and probably longer than that, just so dedicated to the body. Uh, you, through your evaluations, had acknowledged that uh, he's doing the work of an elder, that uh, she's supporting him all the way on that. That was big news, and we shared that with you a couple weeks ago. But the elders and the deacons and the leadership team, and again, along with your comments from those evaluations, have really been seriously praying about um, an opportunity that, that the Great Adventure has believed in wholeheartedly in the past. If you remember, uh, Josh Elgard and Danger were both uh, elders that functioned as part of their occupation. So the church was able to support them uh, in part or in whole for doing the work of, of elders. And that's really where we want to be as a church. That's where we uh, purpose from the beginning to invest in your lives through investing in others to shepherd and guide. So the, uh, the, big, the big exciting thing is that, again, the leaders have been praying about it, uh, and with your input in the past and continuing on, uh, the church is, is asking Ethan uh, to go part-time and then eventually full-time as an elder here at Great Adventure. And we wanted to bring it before you this morning for a few reasons. One, because, uh, and I should put the disclaimer on this, that uh, if you... Uh, are related to Medline, we'd ask you to keep this an in-house family discussion at this point. But really, we, we want Ethan, again, with Amy by his side, to move eventually in as a full-time paid elder by the church. We really believe that that will free them up to, to use their gifts and talents and to function in a great, great way. The cool thing about it is that Ethan and Amy have been willing to step out in faith and start as halftime. Uh, with a meeting with the deacons, at this point, the church can pay Ethan and Amy a half-time salary. But they're stepping out in faith in that he's planning, uh, again with final confirmation, planning to quit his full-time job and really spend his energies on us as a family. So that is big news. The, the uh, ramifications are twofold. First of all, this is a church we've always believed that each member of the body is an equal priest before God. While we don't go to voting and that kind of thing, we believe that your input is crucial on that. <clears throat> Again, you've shared with us a lot through the uh, last months and weeks, but we want that open door that in the next several days, please voice any thoughts that you have on that to uh, one of the elders, one of the deacons, uh, anyone in the leadership team. Let's get those, those thoughts voiced. That's the first big thing. The second thing is we wanted to fill you in on, on kind of our plans and thoughts. And again, pending your, your uh, go-ahead, we're going to move on that. Our idea right now is that right towards the beginning of July, uh, officially I think what, July 7th we had said or so, uh, Ethan would be half-time paid elder with the church. And then we'd like to move him real quickly to full-time. That means that our faith and our work needs to match theirs in a sense, where they've stepped out 
and they'll be functioning on a half-time salary until the church as a whole uh, can continue to support them full-time. And again, our timetable in mind for that is maybe after a quarter of a year, so after three months or so, aim to boost them up to three-quarters time, and then after six months, aim to boost them up to full-time. But that's going to really rely on the Lord providing for their needs. And we believe that it's our privilege and responsibility to be a part of the Lord providing through their, their needs through us sharing what we have. We've learned about fellowship. We know that the early church was serious about sharing the resources. We know that the early church was serious about sacrificing for the kingdom. And we really believe this is a huge opportunity to do that. So the, uh, the overall statement is that we're excited to announce that we're planning for Ethan to be a, full t- a half-time paid elder initially and then work into more of a full-time role with that in the real near future. Again, share your input on that. Share your thoughts on that. Your thoughts are vital to this church family. How do we facilitate this? Well, in the past we've used a method that's worked pretty, pretty well. We believe that each one of you has a responsibility before God and only before God to purpose in your hearts what the Lord would have you share with the church family as far as financial resources each month. We believe that no one can tell you what the amount that you should be giving is. Some of you may not be able to give a dime. Others of you may be able to give more. That's between you and the Lord. So we've always had this little bit of a quandary, so to speak, of how do you get an idea as a family how much we we are aiming and having to work with with at the same time having zero what? Accountability other than between you and God for the amount. So we've thought of an idea and I wanted to share that with you. The cards are going to be going around. These are completely blank index cards. We'd like each family to take one. There's a note behind the sign-up list. There's a blank sheet of paper. I think Ethan uh, wrote on it. Uh, what did you write on it? Giving card received. We want you to just write your name down on that second page. It's just going to be your name so that we know if everybody's gotten a card. And then we want you to pray and seek the Lord's will. And we want you as a family to determine an amount that you believe God would have you give each month. We're not going to know who's giving what. We're not going to track it. The only thing that you'll do is write a number. Write a number on the card. Don't put your name. Don't put anything other than a number, a financial amount that you're willing to commit to the Lord to give Him each month. You fold that. Within the next two weeks, we'd ask you to drop it in the offering basket as it goes around on a given Sunday morning. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to, one, make sure that everybody gets a card. And then we're going to just collect those. The deacons will total that up. And that will give us a little bit of better idea of how we're, how we're able to proceed financially. Any questions on that? Thoughts on that? Yes. No, this is including, including the total amount that you, that you uh, purpose to give uh, to the church for the Lord's work each month. Again, we're not asking for uh, a certain amount above and beyond. We're just asking you for to prayerfully consider what you're purposing to give the Lord each month uh, with the great adventure. Write that single monthly number on the card, drop it in the offering, the deacons will gather that and we'll get an, a rough idea of our budget. Then the follow-up relies on each one of us. What's the follow-up? That it's our responsibility to follow through with that commitment we're making to Him. As little or as big as that is, 
we need to follow through with that. And that's really been, uh, in, in times past, we've seen enormous generosity. It's been great. Where we've stumbled sometimes is uh, consistency. And if we have a Sunday at the park, well, then Sunday, suddenly we're dealing with three weeks out of the month as opposed to four. Whereas if we're saying a monthly amount, let's commit to make sure that we, we get that monthly amount uh, whenever possible in, whether we miss an t- official Sunday with the basket going around or not. So that's our goal. The big heart of this is that is as a church family, we have a huge opportunity to free uh, an elder and his very, very supportive, working just as hard side-by-side with him wife uh, up to input into your lives in a huge, huge way. So again, we are psyched about this. We need your input, and let's carry through with this. Um, so we'll pass the sheet, sign up for what roles you can fill, lift that first sheet, take a card, and simply put your name on there to let us know that you received a card, pray about it, get it into the offering, and then let's follow through. Again, any questions, thoughts? Okay, well, I'm sure there will be more questions. We welcome that. Let's keep chatting about this, talking about it, and then we'll follow up. So now we are officially moving into the teaching time, so just as a transition. We've been studying the purposes of the church. Again, we've shared with you that we believe there are six purposes of the church. Uh, I'm pulling out my wallet to show you my card that I've been carrying around because last week, Each of us made an action plan, so to speak, for ourselves of how to better be devoted to following the Lord through His Word and prayer and fellowship and service uh, and uh, worship. This week we're going to wrap up this series with a challenge on evangelism. And again, I'm I'm privileged to team with Scott on this. Uh, And as Sam pulls up our passage, you may want to turn briefly to Acts 2. 42, and we want to show you kind of how we believe all this comes together. Acts 2.42 laid out a lot of these different purposes that we've talked about. But I want you to notice at the very bottom, verse 47. Verse 47 kind of sums up this passage by saying that as they were living, as they were devoted to Christ through these areas, that they continued praising God, having the good will of all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. This is evangelism. But our point is that the evangelism wasn't an official, uh, sacred structure that everybody followed A, B, and C. It wasn't a huge, organized, rigid task that people check off their list and move on. What we want you to understand is that evangelism for the early church and for us is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And as we're devoted to following Him, as we're devoted to His Word, as we're devoted to worshiping, including the breaking of bread, as we're devoted to prayer and to fellowship and to service, evangelism needs to be a natural outflow of your life. As you're a devoted follower of Christ, that will show. That will show. It's showed already. There's been several people that have come and seen you living uh, day to day and then seen this church family, how we function, how we operate. And there's been a lot of people that have said, you know, there's something different about that crew. We believe that's Christ showing through you. 
And so we want to emphasize right off the bat that evangelism is not a separate part of your life, but evangelism is your life. It's showing Christ around you. And so Scott's going to go far more into detail and then we'll wrap up with an application challenge. But uh, remember that evangelism is not some separate uh, slot of your life you need to make time for per se. Evangelism is living your life in a devoted manner. And then Scott will follow up here. Well, there's a couple things you need to know about me before I get into this. I've never spoken here before. I used to be a youth pastor downtown, um, but like I said, I've never spoken here, and which means that I need to give you a disclaimer. I'm not a preacher. I don't stand up here and I'm not going to talk to you this whole time. I like leading discussions. And so if I know your name, and even if I don't know your name, I might call on you. And if I ask you a question, I expect an answer. Okay? If I say, you know, what did God mean by this? I want people to, you can raise your hand, you can say, hey, I know, you know, or you can just yell out the answer, I don't care. But if I ask a question, I want an answer. And I will wait until I get one. Okay? So this is a group involvement thing. Secondly, I uh, <clears throat> made a PowerPoint, and I was actually, we were supposed to do this last Sunday, but I was sick and couldn't do it. And I had my PowerPoint and everything ready and all that, and I had emailed it to KT, and he was going to bring his computer, and I was going to bring mine just as a backup, and we both forgot ours. So um, you're going to be looking at this. But <coughs> <coughs> that sounded good. All right, evangelism. What is the meaning of evangelism? That's a question. Somebody. Correct. Right. Yep. Evangelism is, like life said, the transfer of information. Now, a lot of people believe a lot of different things about evangelism. When I say evangelism, what's the first thing you think of? Go ahead. Witnessing? What else? What's an example? What else? Billy Graham. He was my example right here. You guys are good. Anything else? What? Tracks? Okay. Very nice. To some, evangelism is what Billy Graham does and what their pastor does not do. Um, to others, evangelism is firing a stream of Bible verses at some unknowing person on the street. And to others, it's anything that one Christian does in their life. Now, I, I sort of believed that last one before I started this, this study, I should say. I believe that Whatever a Christian does in their life, as long as they're, they're looking to God, they love God, they're living their life for Jesus, that's evangelism. Am I right or wrong? Right? Really? Wrong. 
That's a necessary part of it. But that's not evangelism. Evangelism is the actual transfer of the information. If you look in the Word, evangelism actually isn't even in the Bible. Evangelize and evangelist are. And there's a Greek word that I can't pronounce that means to preach, to proclaim the good tidings, to tell the good news. Angels evangelized. They brought good tidings of great joy, Luke 2.10. Jesus evangelized. He preached the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, Luke 8.1. Paul evangelized. Philip evangelized. Everybody in there evangelized. Okay? But evangelism is more than a testimony of a good life. You can't radiate Christianity. You can't radiate the good news of God. You can show that there's something different about you with your life, with your actions, with your beliefs. That'll show other people, and they'll, they'll look at you and say, wow, he's weird. What's wrong with him? You know? And that might get them to ask. But the actual word evangelism means the transfer of that information. Evangelism then is a specific, articulate, there's a lot of big words in this one, articulate presentation of the message that Christ's death upon the cross turns away God's wrath, which abides among, um, upon man in his unregenerate state. Romans 3.25 and John 3.36. And so evangelism, like I said, isn't your life. Evangelism isn't the way you act. Evangelism is the actual telling someone, I'm going to evangelize to you, JP, you know, that Jesus died for your sins. He did this, this, and this. And if you believe He can save you and that you need Him, all you've got to do is pray. All you've got to do is lift yourself up to Him and, and give yourself to Him. That's evangelism. I never knew that. So... I learned something already. Now, the motivation of evangelism is what? And I don't want to hear, keep hearing from the same people, so somebody else. To bring others to Christ? Okay. What's our motivation other than that? Obedience? Right. Anything else? Christ's love for us? Rewards? What else? What? Eternal life? Love for your fellow man. Anything else? I've got down here that Christians are motivated to share the good news primarily because our Lord commands us to evangelize. The heart of a, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19-20 is, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The command in Acts 1-8 is ye shall be witness unto me. Now at the, at the Berlin Congress of Evangelism, John R. W. Stott said, we engage in evangelism not because we want to, or because we choose to, or because we like to, but because we have been told to. The church is under orders. The risen Lord has commanded us to go to preach and to make disciples. Now is that enough for us to actually do it? Jeff, where you at? There you are. You're a military man, or, or getting to be a military man. If you're in the military, and your commanding officer says, go do this, and it's an order, what do you do? Why? 
Okay, what happens if he doesn't, or if you don't do what he told you to? Okay. Now, there's, a, there's the old song that we're in God's army, right? Now, if you look at it like that, God commands us to do this. He commands us to go out and evangelize, to spread that information. It's a commandment. It's an order. Do we look at it like that? Anybody? Who evangelized today? Raise your hand. KT? Who didn't evangelize today? Raise your hand. I didn't. It's early. True. What about this past week? Everybody who didn't evangelize this past week, raise your hand. And I don't do this to point people out. I don't want you to be ashamed or to feel bad about it. I want you to realize you're not alone and that all of us need to work on this. This is something that is a major problem. One of the, you might wonder what this uh, glass thing is up here. This is a, one of my wife's flower vases. But uh, I have an illustration that I actually had to ask permission to do today. This is, we'll say, our church. Okay? We're going to put that in there. Now, you've got other churches. You've got other people and everything all around. Now, if we... Is that locked? Must be. You unlock that? Just so we... Is the is a little paper burning going to bother anybody? All right. You can leave if it does. Now, if this is our church, and in my opinion, our church is... We're, we're doing well. We've got a lot of believers here. We're strong. We can easily talk to each other about spiritual things. And from a lot of point of view, we're on fire. Okay? You can ask anyone in here about the good word, and they're going to tell you. Okay? Now, if this is our church, start. and we're down in here, and we're on fire, we're doing great, everything's good, what good does that do if it doesn't happen outside of our church? If this is around our church, the only time that we're actually acting as Christians, that we're actually excited about the Word, is while we are in our church. What about outside of it? What about out here where there's extra people that don't know? Other churches that we can minister with, that we can reach out and show the good Word. Something that we've been commanded and ordered to do. Why can't we, why can't we start the fire out here? It's easy to determine when something is aflame. It ignites other material. Any fire that does not spread will eventually go out. And so, a church without evangelism is a contradiction in terms. Just as a fire that does not burn is a contradiction. You can't have fire unless it's burning. And you need fuel. You need other things to set on fire for it to burn. And our church, I, we have people, new people coming in. You know, we're doing the work somewhat. But we could be doing so much better. Like I said this past week, 
I didn't evangelize to anybody. I haven't evangelized to anybody in a long time. We've got these neighbors that we've brought to church a couple times that they know we're Christians. You know, they watch their swearing around us. They don't bring up certain things, you know, all this and that. But we've known them for how long? Two years? Two and a half years? They've been living next to us, and we haven't evangelized to them once. You know, I, I, we keep thinking that if we live our life and they realize we're Christians, that eventually they're going to ask us. And then they're prepared for the answer. They want the answer. Instead of me having to go, hey, let me tell you about God. You know? I'm, why am I so scared to do that? Why am I so afraid of what they're going to say or what they're going to think? Anybody? I don't want to look foolish. Fear of rejection. Fear of messing it up. Yeah. Anything else? Not knowing that. That's a good one. That's a good one. got to put the work in. It's very true. Uh, that was kind of a bunny trail, I'm sorry. But we'll get back on track. There's an estrangement between man and God which needs reconciliation. And this is one of our motivations to getting going, to evangelizing. The evangelist then is motivated by what? I mean, we got the original answers the love of other people, God told us to. What does an evangelist focus on? What's the first thing you should bring up to a new prospect? Jesus. But if you come up to me and I'm having a great day, you know, nothing's wrong in my world, why do I need Jesus? Sin? Okay, so we focus on sin first? Consequences of sin? Okay. The evangelist then is motivated by the bad news that every person in his natural state is a fallen, sinful creature who stands in need of complete transformation. He knows that sin has brought God's displeasure, and knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. 2 Corinthians 5.11 uh, Another good thing to, to give us motivation is the returning of Christ. That's, you know... That's always a good thing to look forward to. And you, you kind of want to have the homework done when the teacher gets back, kind of thing. So, looking at the next topic, the message. What is the message? This should be easy. I shouldn't have to read anything from my notes here. What's the message of evangelism? Somebody new, somebody who hasn't told me anything yet. What's the message? Yep. Very nice. Christ died for our sins and He's coming back. And you need to be on His side. Why? Yes. What else? 
quiet in here. True? Now, do you guys believe that we should use that? Be saved or be damned? Is that a way that we should save people? Or evangelize to people? We never save people. That's one way. Okay. Do you want to save somebody out of fear? Or do you want to save them out of love? Depends on the person. Either way. Whatever gets them in the fold. Why should they look at you? I mean, why should you have all the answers when they don't know you at all? Kind of thing, right? Yes? Sort of? Okay. The message of evangelism is that man is lost, undone, and without hope, but that Jesus Christ acted in our behalf by his death, burial, and resurrection. Christ took upon himself the penalty rightly belonging to us, so that through believing in him, we are freed from the penalty of guilt, penalty and guilt of sin. Now, what are the methods of evangelism? The word. How do you get it to them? Preaching is one of them. Personal contact. Yep. Yep. Yep, those are all good things. The New Testament illustrates several methods of evangelism. We find examples of mass evangelism, like Billy Graham, in the work of John the Baptist, Peter. Um, we also see personal evangelism by observing the 35 personal interviews of Jesus, as recorded in the Gospels. And the most common and perhaps most effective biblical method of evangelism is the sharing of the good news on a person-to-person -person basis as we come in contact with others. Sometimes just being a friend or somebody that is there to listen will give you that opportunity. Um, it's usually best not to pounce on somebody, you know, to give them the rapid-fire Bible verses and scare them off, that kind of thing. But usually, you know, God's working there for you. God wants you to evangelize. He wants His Word to get out. And so He's going to put you in a situation. He's going to, if you're open yourself up to it. If you allow it, God's going to put you somewhere that you can be used. There's a story in here about a guy traveling home from Chicago on a plane. He sat beside a man who seemed to be a little lonely. Um, he asked him if he had been on a business trip or visiting relatives and if he objected to the sharing of the purpose of his flight. And the guy okayed it and they got into a general conversation and and this guy's sitting on the plane, the one that was asking the questions, and he's reading the, the Billy Graham book, Aflame, I believe it was called, World Aflame. And the guy asked about the, the book, I mean, what it was about and this and that. And he was about to tell him, and then at that exact same moment, 
The pilot came on the intercom and said, folks, it's going to get a little bumpy. We're heading into thunderstorms and all this. Uh, so just buckle your seatbelts and, and everything will be fine. Now, if you ever has anybody ever ridden on a plane through a thunderstorm? Uh, it's something you never forget, really, right? You know, the first time it happens, you wonder, is the plane going down? Now, imagine this guy's telling him about the book, A World of Flame, by Billy Graham, through this thunderstorm and everything, and he says in the end, the, the boy, or the, excuse me, he sat there and listened to what was being said like a little boy in Sunday school. You know, the guy, the guy just started a conversation. He didn't go looking for him. He didn't, you know, bring that book just for that purpose. God had that all set up for him. You know, God put that guy right next to him. God put the thunderstorms right there because it worked out perfectly. You know, there are so many areas or, or uh, opportunities like that that are in our lives if we allow God to do it. Has anybody got one? Has anybody had one like that? Maybe not quite that exciting, but what is it? Just a real at ease, relaxed. It's true. Well, and there's a lot of ways to to ask like that. There's uh, I wrote down one in here, by the way. Do you have any interest in spiritual things? You know, it's, it's a very easy question. It doesn't pin them down to anything. And no matter what their answer is, so you could say, suppose someone were to ask you, what is a Christian? You know, that works with yes or no from your original question. And if they don't answer, or they blow you off, or they cuss you out, or you get into a great conversation, you know, you did what you were supposed to. You know, you, you started to share the word.
Yeah. Well, and like I said, you know, if, if you make yourself open to it, God will put those opportunities in front of you. And the one thing that I always used as an excuse is I, I feel that I'm much more blessed in the service area, you know, working behind the scenes, getting things ready, you know, cleaning up somebody's house or building something, whatever else. I've never felt that I've been an evangelist. You know, but that's not really something you either choose. And I've always used the excuse that I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I, I don't know how to ask. I don't know how to, how to tell. I know the general story, but other than that, you know, I use that as an excuse. And witnessing is, is something that you have to learn by doing. You know, there's, there's people out there that can give you hints, but something, you're not going to know what's going to work until you do it. Each time we talk about the Christian life, we can become more at ease. And it's going to be easier for us. We learn by experience. We profit from past mistakes. And we can build upon strong points gradually that we discover. And so it's just something you've you got to get out there and do it. And you'll get better at it. You'll get more at ease with it. Uh, the, one, the other thing that I've always been worried about is being turned down or cussed out, that kind of thing. You know, I've got four perfectly good heathens that I work with, actually five, um, that they all know I'm a Christian. They all know that, you know, I'm not going to take part in their dirty little talks or this or that. And, you know, I get made fun of somewhat, but I can deal with that. But I'm all, all so scared to let them get that ammo that I tried to convert them that I pass the information on to them. Um, and I found this one illustration that makes it makes me feel a little more at ease about uh, somebody turning me down or cussing me out or whatever else. And Jack had been a president of a large corporation. When he got cancer, they ruthlessly dumped him. He went through his insurance, used his life savings, and had practically nothing left. This man visited him with one of the deacons who said, Jack, you speak so openly about the brief life you had left. I wonder if you're prepared for the life after death. Jack stood up, livid with rage. You blank, blankety, blank Christians. All you ever think about is go what's going to happen to me after I die. If your God is so great, why doesn't he do something about the real problems in life? He wanted, went on to tell us he was leaving his wife penniless and his daughter without money for college. Then he ordered us out. Later, the deacon insisted that we go back. We did. And the deacon said, Jack, I know I offended you. He said, I humbly apologize, but I want you to know that I've been working since then. Your first problem is where your family will live after you die. A realtor in our church has agreed to sell your house and give your wife his commission. I guarantee you that if you will permit us, some other men and I will make the house payments until it's sold. Then I have contacted the owner of an apartment house down the street. He's offered your wife a three-bedroom apartment plus free utilities and $850 a month salary in return for collecting rents and supervising plumbing and electrical repairs. The income from your house should pay for your daughter's college. I just want you to know that your family will be cared for. 
Jack cried like a baby. He died shortly thereafter, so wrapped in pain, he never accepted Christ. But he experienced God's love, even while rejecting him. And his widow, touched by the caring Christians, responded to the gospel message. This is our mission. You know, this is what we've been given. There are two things that God wants from us in this life. He wants us to love him. And if you love him, you'll do his work. You'll, you'll read about him. You'll pray to him. You'll live correctly. And the other thing, he wants us to spread his word. Now, how selfish are we that we can keep this to ourselves? That we can focus on just our lives, our families, our jobs, all which mean nothing in the big scheme of things. The main thing for us to focus on this in this world is, is God's mission and God. That's it. Everything else is just a hobby. You know, your, your love for God should look, or should be so great that your love for your family, that your love for the people in your church, that your love for anybody else should look like hatred. Now, do we love God that much? Can we actually step up and do this? Or is this another time where we sit, we listen, two hours later, we're going to forget it? Can we actually change? Since God has ordered us to do this. Not a suggestion. Not a, hey, why don't you? It's, you do this now. When I tell my daughter, you get off of that or stop that, or come here, or eat your food. It's not a, hey, why don't you? you know, it's a, now. And if she doesn't listen, she gets a consequence. I don't want us to get a consequence. I think we can do a lot better. And I think that we all have the ability to get out there and do it. Let's just, let's squelch that fear and and do the work we're meant to do. Katie? To wrap up, um, the biggest thing that's made up to me that I'm going to assume that uh, don't forget about the follow-through of actually sharing, actually sharing the good news. And, and I think that was a great point to make note that as we're devoted followers, as we live, there are going to be opportunities and then as God would lead, let's take those opportunities and let's verbalize the gospel. And to wrap up, the last thing we really, really, really wanted to challenge you was I think something that went throughout all of it and you guys said it, that these relationships that allow you the opportunity to share the good news take time and devotion and dedication. And frankly, nine out of ten times we are too wrapped up in our own life to put in that kind of devotion and that time. And so the challenge, Scott's laid out so many great things, the challenge to leave you with is what are we doing to initiate those kind of opportunities, those relationships? How well do you know uh, your neighbors? How well do you know the people that you work with? Stop for a minute, literally a minute, think about all the people that you contact every day. Go through the list. Who do you come into contact with each day? Are those opportunities that God has given you to share the good news every day? Probably not. 
Again, because like you already mentioned, there'd be a lot of offended people if you forced that. But Scott's point is so huge is that if our focus is really to love God and honor Him by making disciples, then those people that scrolled through your mind just now of who you contact, maybe those are the people that you need to spend more energy, more time building those kind of relationships, learning about them, listening to them. Because here's another side of it. I haven't met anyone yet who doesn't want to fulfill purposeful living. You know what I'm saying on that? Everybody wants a purposeful life. But people come about it differently. So if we're knowing people well enough to listen and to really understand what drives them and where their heart is and where their needs are and to love them, not as projects but as people, then all these things that Scott has been talking about, there's our opportunities coming up like crazy. So two final things. One, we view people as projects way too much. People are not projects. People were privileged to know people and to truly love people. Who has God put in your life that, that you can build deeper relationship with and benefit through their friendship and knowing them? And then, like Scott said, how is this de- devotion, this love of Christ, where is God's opportunity to carry that out? Maybe it's simply stating uh, matter-of-factly what the Lord's doing in your life. Maybe it's, like Scott said, asking them questions and letting them respond. But let's purpose Let's purpose to take this call of the Great Commission very, very, very seriously. And just like was shared very well, uh, let's make sure that there's not a wall around the flame of devotion for the Lord, but let's make sure that others have an opportunity to hear and see and learn. So, um, great stuff. Great stuff. Let's keep the talk going, though. Uh, Keep talking about this among yourselves. There's so much more to be said. Uh, we were going to do one other thing that we, we don't have time to do. We were going to actually encourage you to take a second card and maybe, uh, again, prayerfully consider some of those relationships. But, but you know, you know the people in your life that the Lord would have you love and serve and care for. So let's be faithful to obey. It's a lot simpler uh, than we make it, like you already said. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you that it's living and active and powerful. Thank you that you never hold us responsible for how it's received. You never ask us to focus and be intent on getting a certain response or a certain reply, but instead you simply ask us to to share the good news, to plant seeds and let your spirit work. And and Lord, uh, we want to be devoted followers. There's so many things in our lives that need to change so that we're following Christ in a 100% way. And one of those, Lord, is building... Uh, friendships and relationships and looking for opportunities, Lord, to to share your good news in a humble and sincere way. And so, Lord, work in us. Um, let your spirit guide that, please. Don't let my flesh get involved at all, whether it's pride, wanting to uh, be a part of something great on my own, or, or whether it's uh, rushing ahead because we're not willing to trust you for timing. But let the spirit guide us. And as we know you and love you, Uh, Make us bold to take those opportunities that you give us to to share the good news with others. Thank you for this church family. Thank you for a family that we can be real with and talk turkey. Thank you for a family that we can um, discuss and openly uh, admit our failures and, and openly encourage each other. Pray that that would continue on. Thanks again, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.